Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Destiny Geek Could Taylor here today. Um, I am joined today by fellow f nerd, friend, punk rock princess feminist, uh, Katie Guidry. Thank you for joining today, Katie. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Um, so today we're going to discuss um, a slightly different topic since we've been focusing a lot on you know superheroes, villains, Netflix, stuff like that. Um, so this year has been a really great year for basically the female gender in the comic world. It all began technically last year with a mysterious woman picking up Monier and taking up the mantle of Thor. Interestingly enough, she, uh, the female Thor comics have actually outsold the male Thor by 30% already. Um, and we're actually about to find out who the identity of lady thor is because at this point nobody has known who she is um jim also known as jerica benson got her own comic book and announcement for a live action movie uh wanda wanda maxoff also known as uh, scarlet which will be joining the avengers in the new movie that comes out in about two weeks actually <laughs> uh she hulk which i know is a personal favorite of katie's uh, had this amazing book that came out this year. Uh, even though it was canceled, it has been announced th that she will be leading the new all-new Avengers team when Secret Wars ends. Uh, yes, I'm very, very excited for that one. Captain Miss Marvel became Captain Marvel, and then we had a new young Miss Marvel takeover, who was actually one of the first uh, Muslim characters to actually have her own running comic not to mention we had a 1960s housewife who apparently is also a killer for hire with gwen stacy one of the top selling comic books right now where she is actually spider woman in her universe instead of peter parker so basically if you weren't in dc it was a really good time to be a girl in a comic book <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, Marvel had a great... I mean, even Storm got her own comic book. A lot of independent female comic characters came out. Filming was super awesome comics recently. A lot of them still currently ongoing. Definitely. And we'll give you a whole list to check out towards the end. But the point of the thing is women rule. And, you know, comics are sprinkled here and there with female characters that can do just about anything... Um, you know, some of them are actually saving their male counterparts who tend to get in trouble and others are able to actually manipulate all of reality and even wipe out certain uh, species just with a single word. So all in all, it's really not wise to mess with these ladies. And so what we're going to discuss today is we're going to take a couple of our favorites and, you know, kind of tell you why they're so badass to hopefully encourage you to go read their book or go see their movie and whatnot. So a few notes before we start. All the women mentioned are going to be of comic book origin. So anyone that started in video games, books, television, movies will not be on the list. So unfortunately, we will not be mentioning Miss Harley Quinn today. Uh, everything mentioned will be strictly opinion between myself and Katie. So please keep that in mind. And also keep in mind that a lot of characters will change depending on who's writing them. It's very easy to have Pepper Potts be this amazing independent woman who, you know, is with Tony Stark by one writer. And then in another comic book, she could actually be a complete and total bitch that is kind of hard to like. 
And we're also going to be focusing on characters that are a little less known. So we're going to be straying away from the Wonder Woman, Black Widow type of characters and focusing on some women that are just as equally awesome, plus some that just completely kick their their asses. And it's kind of a mystery as to why they're not better known. Very good question. <laughs> so we're going to start off with my favorite uh, superheroine, which is Dinah, sometimes known as Laurel Lance, also known as the Black Canary. So... There's actually been two Black Canaries in comics so far. The original was Dinah Drake, and she's the the mother of the current Black Canary, and she appeared in the Flash issue number 86 in August of 1947. Um, the most current one debuted in Justice League of America 220 in November of 1983. So she's been around for quite a while, and you'll learn with see with a lot of these ladies. Some of them have been around since... Their male counterparts have actually been around. But Dinah is known as the Black Canary, and she's a superhero vigilante who defends her city using various martial arts and this supersonic screen that she's able to produce. She's recognized she's recognizable by her blonde hair, fishnets, pirate boots, all while mounted on her motorcycle. I mean, already she's kind of the biggest badass I've I've known. <laughs> Wouldn't want to meet her in a dark alley. <laughs> And again, you know, she changes um, depending on who's writing her. But usually her backstory is she's the daughter of a Gotham police officer and Justice Society of America's Black Canary. And despite her mother's wishes, Dinah takes up her, her mother's mantle that she retired back in the day. Um, so the question comes to why she's so great. Why should you, the listener, really give a damn? Well, for starters... <laughs> For starters, Dinah can handle her own. She's able to use 12 different fighting styles. She also has the metahuman gene, which allows her to produce a sonic scream, which can reach over 300 decibels and even shatter metal. So, as Katie said, you really don't want to meet her in the back of a dark alley. (laughs) Uh, Interestingly enough, she is very rarely the damsel in distress, which is what we see many female characters take on the role. Um, she's actually usually known for saving the hide of her usual lover, Oliver Queen. So usually he'll run his mouth and get in trouble and get his ass kicked, and then Dinah has to come in and save the day. <laughs> um, she's also a kick-ass dead mother, which is kind of a controversial topic with some, some people about how, you know, women are usually portrayed in, uh, you know, a motherly role. But... While she's known for her maternal side, she's also, you know, showing guidance to many of the Arrow wards, including, you know, Roy, Mia, and Connor. Um, we see in her role in Young Justice that while she is this very maternal person, she's also preparing these young superheroes for what is out there, and she's not afraid to kick their ass if needed. Um, and recently, Dinah has made a lot of appearances. She's been in the Young Young Justice cartoon, Justice League Unlimited. Um, she's been in Arrow, where she was... Her Black Canary alter ego was portrayed by not only Laurel, who is the Dinah of that universe, but also her sister Sarah. And interestingly enough, there in the 2002 Birds of Prey series, she was actually portrayed by Lori Loughlin, which those of you who were like Katie and I in your 90s kids, you know Lori Loughlin as Aunt Becky from Full House. So, we're going to switch gears and switch over to Marvel really quickly, and we're going to discuss Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk. 
And I'm actually going to let you kind of take this over, Katie, because I know you were the one who actually got me to read the most recent She-Hulk comic that came out. Yeah. Um, you know, She-Hulk's been around for a long time. She uh, debuted in Savage She-Hulk number one in February of 1980. And from there, she's just been kind of all over the place. Uh, she started out as Bruce Banner's timid and really frail cousin who... Uh, but during a blood infusion, uh, he infected her with the gamma radiation when he gave her blood to help save her from a gunshot wound because uh, she's a very high-profile lawyer and she gets shot during one of her cases. And unlike her cousin, um, she can transform into a green She-Hulk whenever she... Well, it depends on who's writing her. and it's uh, She can transform into She-Hulk whenever she pleases, usually. Um... And uh, when she first transformed into her green She-Hulk, it was because it's when the mobsters who originally tried to shoot her came back to finish their job, and in her releasing so intense a blast of emotions, it triggered her power. And nowadays, she tends to usually stay her um, more Amazonian appearance uh, with green skin and uh, green hair and green eyes. Um, and unlike Bruce... Uh, when in her alternate, sh alternate She-Hulk form, Jennifer is actually able to retain most of her personality, intelligence, and her emotional control. So not only is she big, hulky, and strong, and totally kick butt, but she's also a smart-ass lawyer who will sue you into the dirt. Uh, and it's, 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 she said, she has been said to that she actually prefers to be in her Hulk form because she enjoys the freedom and the confidence and the assertiveness that she receives versus the more timid and fragile version of her normal form. So as I'm sure most women would agree, I would love to be a big angry version of myself to make the people bend to my will. But of course, you know, gamma radiation probably isn't for the best. And I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, Media nowadays, and especially back then, you know, you, women were usually shown as, you know, these frail, emotional, you know, like creatures that, you know, you know, hell have no fear like a woman scorned. You don't want, you know, that's why we can't have a female president, you know, awful jokes like that. But in this case, you know, you've got Jennifer who actually defies all those stereotypes and is actually able to control all of herself. Whereas her cousin, the male counterpart, is actually the more monstrous out-of-control brute between the two of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would that he would be really terrible as a uh, prosecutor in court, just saying. <laughs> he would, he would he, his record would be outstanding. <laughs> Hulk object. <laughs> but the cool, one of the cool things about She-Hulk is she gets so many really great um, cameos in her comic, and the most uh, recent run of uh, her comic... Not only is uh, Captain America the you know older ver aged version of him, of course, uh, running along with current Marvel stories, but uh, Captain America comes to her for help, and she actually you know helps Captain America, and she uh, goes over to uh, L.A. to visit with Matt Murdock, and uh, who is known as Daredevil, of course, and has these really nice just she just knows everyone being a lawyer, and she's the she, as she says in the most recent series, is she's the lawyer to the heroes. So when they destroy things and ruin people's lives, she's back there to help pick up the pieces behind them. So she's pretty nice to have around, I'd say. Espe definitely, especially uh, in the Civil War storyline, which we is actually coming up, I think, after Age of Ultron in the cinematic universe. Well, yeah. 
Um, you know, Jennifer takes, a, you know, has her side on it, but unlike a lot of lawyers who see a media, she's not swayed by having to win a case and whatnot, but she actually provides a lot of legal advice to all the heroes. Depend doesn't matter to her whether they're on Tony Stark's pro-registration side or Captain America's, you know, anti-registration side. So it's really nice to see one of those characters, especially in a legal form, that's not swayed by money or power or anything like that. Right. And not to mention, in the the first uh, arc of the recent comic, she is confronted by Victor Von Doom and has a, you know, she travels to Latvia and goes and helps defend uh, Doom's son. And so she does, even though that Victor Von Doom is this, you know, really absolutely terrifying dictator bad guy, she still is like, you know, yo, what you're doing isn't right. So even though you're really scary and stuff, I'm going to step in and try and help your son, even though you're scary. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, Jennifer, well, She-Hulk, I guess we should say, hasn't really appeared in a lot. Um, which is kind of sad because I find her a lot more interesting than Bruce, but her most recent adaptation is uh, in Hulk and the Agents of Smash, where she was, interestingly enough, voiced by Elijah Dushk, who, who was known for playing a very badass, super strong female who not so much was in control of her emotions on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right, and don't forget her role on Dollhouse either. Yeah, that's She's true. She's notoriously, I think she makes a really good, at least, voice. For She-Hulk. She's got that personification of that in her voice. Oh, absolutely. Uh, next up, we have Ms. Zatanna Zatara, also known as Zatanna Zatara. Uh, one of the very few heroes to not actually have some weird alter ego name. But she debuted in Hawkman number 4 in November of 1964. She's the daughter of late Justice League ally Giovanni John Zatara. And she's known as the world's greatest magician and is part of the Homo Magi race, which is basically, think of the Homo Superior, which are the mutants in, you know, the Marvel Universe. Basically, these are basically kind of like mutants, but instead of cool mutant powers, they have really cool magical powers. But by day, she's this awesome stage magician and illusionist and superheroine by night. And she's a frequent ally of Batman and many of the Justice League members. Um, armed with her vast knowledge of the mystic art, she's able to cast a variety of spells. And she's a good divider between what is good and evil. Which is, you know, which is a conflict that comes up a lot in comic books. But she, she's actually been known to question where that line is that her as a superhero should even though she has these powers shouldn't be able to cross so what makes her so great well she's actually one of the most powerful dc characters without you know being an actual deity or god from another universe um and unlike a lot of female characters she's actually alone in her comic books so a lot of her books is either she's by herself or she's been sought after to help, you know, usually with Batman or the likes of John Constantine, which ironically usually ends with her actually like Dinah having to save their, save them at the end of the comic book. And, you know, she's generally criticized for her large breasts and fishnet stockings. Um, but like, you know, Bayonetta, in video games, you know, she tends to use her sexuality to her advantage. And in the new Young Justice and New 52, we see a lot less revealing outfit in her previous incarnations. 
Now, Katie, you actually did the artwork for the show, and I actually remember you kind of mentioning that you had to classy Zatanna up a little bit because of a lot of the artwork that was out for her. Yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not as much into DC as you are. I'm I'm a bit of more of a Marvel girl myself. So I'm not as familiar with some of the characters like you are, so I'm just doing the research for trying to throw you know, throw together the uh headliner for the the this talk here and um it, when you Google Zatanna, there's some uh, interesting pictures that come up, and uh, I figure that since we're trying to empower, uh, you know, women, that the best way to do it would obviously portray portrayed in some of the uh, more classier outfits, which which is cool to note that, like you said, um, the older ones were obviously the more revealing ones, and as you can tell, as the art has you know matured and gone through different styles that the newer art that has been done is actually a lot less revealing than the older versions, which I think is telling. Yeah. I mean, Zatanna was very much a victim with a lot of, like with a lot of female superheroes that back in the day, they were written by boys for boys. Let's, you know, parade them around in outfits that you wouldn't even want to wear at a swimming pool. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And Zatanna, you know, has been seen in the Justice League, Unlimited cartoon, uh, or a much younger version of her has been seen in Young Justice recently. And interestingly enough, if you're into fighting games, uh, she was the sixth and second to last downloadable character for Injustice Gods Among Us, which she's a very difficult character to defeat. <laughs> Let me just say, she's very fast. Absolutely. Now, our next subject is someone I originally was not going to mention, you know, I knew a little bit about, but. Uh, researching her, I was actually very surprised to learn a lot about her. But uh, moving on, we've got Suraya Kadir. And I apolog- let me apologize for everybody ahead of time if me or Katie mispronounce anybody. We're awful with names. Especially with four names. I've got pronunciations left and right here. But Suraya is also known as Dust, and she debuted in New X-Men in December of 2002. She's an adolescent Sunni Muslim girl who was captured by Slay Trader and separated from her mother. Basically, the X-Men get wind of this, and so they go to the escort facility in Mumbai where they try to rescue the girl, but they can't find her anywhere. It was Ashley Phoenix who forced her to reveal herself, where she simply muttered the word dust, which is where her codename comes from. So Soraya is saved and becomes a student at the Xavier Institute for Higher Learning, which is now the, I believe, the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning. Um... Where and but and it's interesting enough to see that she's actually got a difficult time adapting to her new environment. And what makes her, her so amazing is not only is she the and stick with me on this, she's the first ever, 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 ever Afghan superhero and the first ever Afghan superpowered person to be trained in a positive role. But what's so fascinating and amazing about her is that she strongly sticks to her faith and her religion, which first, again, it's amazing enough that she's the first ever Afghan superhero. And this is in 2002. A little late to the game there. Yeah. Especially, um, with what was currently going on in the world at that time. So again, it took way too long, but she also is just her, her faith and religion is a very important thing to her. And I think, you know, kudos to Marvel. They definitely make faith and religion with their characters a big sticking point. 
Um, but in an early plot, one of her first stories, she's sought out by Zorn. Apologize again if I <laughs> mispronounce that. But basically, he wants to bring down Professor Xavier and make mutants the dominant race. And he's unsuccessful in recruiting Dust because he wants her to renounce her Muslim faith for a world that is run by mutant kind and, you know, a genocidal world of humankind. She also refuses to change her outfit from her her traditional abaya and niqab, which is a constant argument between her and her roommate, Serge, who states that it is, it is an affront to women's rights. Which, interestingly enough, you know, because her mother... Her own mother doesn't want her to wear it because of you know where they come from and what it it uh, what it stands. Um, but Soraya herself actually says she doesn't wear it because the Taliban enforces it, um, but actually because of the modesty and protection that it grants her from men, which I think is a really powerful you know message, especially from someone who comes from a world where I. Basically, evil dictatorship basically says that she's a lesser being and has to wear this, and she's actually able to turn it into a much more positive outlook, basically. Right, which is becoming a more and more seen thing in today's world, too, which is really amazing. And I think if, you know, something, you turn taking something bad like that and turning it into something that's way more positive. Absolutely. And unfortunately, like I said, I wasn't even really aware of... Surya and all her greatness and unfortunately she has not been seen in a lot of media except for uh, two episodes of Wolverine and the X-Men and I believe that she actually makes a cameo appearance in the final scene of Deadpool's victory in Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Uh, next up we've actually got probably the most well-known character on our list um, and I'm sure even as a non-big DC person I'm sure you've even heard of her Katie but basically Barbara Gordon, who is known as Oracle and was previously known as Batgirl. Um, she debuted in Detective Comics number 359 in January of 1967. Good lord. There was already 400 Batman comics back in 67. Um, but basically, what's kind of cool about Barbara is when she was a really little girl, you know, she wasn't into dolls and stuff like that. No, she wanted to be a superhero like many girls that I know today. And her and her best friend would spend countless hours designing costumes and their own superhero identities. At the age of 13, her mother and father are killed in a car accident, mostly due to her father's drinking problem, and she went to live with her uncle, J James Gordon, in Gotham City. And this is another one of those weird situations, depending on who's writing her, but sometimes she's actually the daughter of James Gordon. Um, for those of you who don't know, that's actually Commissioner Gordon in the Batman comic books. And the greatest thing for Barbara is she gets here and she finds out that there's this man that parades at night in a bat costume as their own personal superhero in Gotham. So for a Tumblr kid before there was Tumblr, this was a pretty big thing for her. Of course, becomes obsessed. <laughs> um, exactly. She becomes obsessed, especially when she finds out that her uncle actually works with the Dark Knight. So despite her father's wishes, which is kind of a common theme with these DC characters, she starts dressing up in a more feminine Batman attire and she attends this million dollar masquerade ball that was crashed by Killer Moth. And, you know, she thinks, oh, t I've totally got this. This is no problem. But she soon finds that she has been thwarted by the insect and Batman shows up to basically say, you're a stupid little girl. What are you doing? This is no place for you. What a jerk. <laughs> 
I fully agree there. But ironically enough, she actually receives a package from Dick Grayson with her own personal batteries, which is basically Batman saying, please come join us. You know, I was a jerk. Please, please be part of my team. <laughs> uh, with a lot of sway from Grayson. Yeah, I mean, Grayson is known as the pretty boy. But years went by and Barbara started to feel like, you know, Batgirl wasn't as great as she thought it was going to be. Which I'm sure she saw a lot of things during her time that most people don't. So she basically decided to retire. And lo and behold, one night the Joker shows up at her doorstep and shoots her through the spinal cord, paralyzing her. I feel like that's one of those blood in, blood out situations. Even though she wanted to leave, it was not going to happen that easily. Right. Once you become a superhero, there's kind of no way to go back from there. Exactly. I mean, I would have at least left, left Gotham if it wasn't... <laughs> If all these bad guys know who I am, you can bet I'm getting out of there. <laughs> Bye. Um, and, you know, most people would probably expect that to be the end of Barbara and for her to basically not show up again. But she actually doesn't stop there. Her being in a wheelchair does not define who she is. And shows, so she actually starts building one of the largest and most complex supercomputers in the world. And she takes on this codename of Oracle, which she's kind of the... She's this, the hub of information for basically the DC Universe. So if anyone has any questions or needs information on a case, they go straight to her. And she actually joins forces with Black Canary Huntress, and they form the Birds of Prey, which is the first all-female group in the DC Universe. And I think – and like Surreya, Barbara kind of – she represents this community that I feel is usually shunned a lot and basically shows that being a paraplegic does not mean you are useless in the, this world. Exactly. She's got, she's a, an incredibly powerful, you know, wheelchair ridden, uh, superhero, which is really amazing. Cause even there's just, there's not a lot of that of the disabled heroes. I mean, you've got, uh, <clears throat> Marvel does an okay job with it with, uh, Daredevil. And I guess you can, uh, put, um, Deadpool in there as well. If you want to, he's a little disabled. <laughs> <laughs> But it's really nice to see, finally, DC doing something right. Yeah, which, you know, as someone who comes from DC, I'm just... They don't do a lot right. I hate to say it, but they, they nailed it with Barbara. Yes. Yes, they did. So the next character that we're going to talk about, I know, is my my personal favorite on the list. And I know, Katie, you were... I mean, you didn't really get me to read the comics. More of you beat me upside the head with them until I actually started reading them, and I'm very happy that I did. <laughs> hey, whatever I can do. <laughs> so, like with She-Hulk, I'll let you take over this one. Yeah, um, the next one we're going to be talking about is Kamala Khan. She is the new Miss Marvel. Um, after Carol Danvers, uh, a.k.a. the original Miss Marvel, um, kind of was more or less uh, promoted <laughs> to Captain Marvel, um, they, uh, she, they debuted Kamala in Captain Marvel number 14 as an unnamed character originally, and then this spun her own single shot, uh, well, not one shot, but a, a single solo series of Miss Marvel, and she is a, a Pakistani-American born in Jersey City, and Kamala is your basic Tumblr kid. I, First couple of issues I'm reading through, I'm just and just laughing so hard because it's like I'm pretty sure I've said every single one of those things. Um, but she her, in her spare time she goes to school and you know to uh, 
She follows the many adventures of the Marvel's main superheroes, especially Captain Marvel, and is known to write adventurous fan fiction as well, um, <laughs> which is hilarious on its own. Um, and then, uh, though respectful of her heritage and her very uh, tight-knit religious family, uh, Kamala has always felt slightly different. And uh, one night, she decides to sneak out, and, uh, as most teenage girls will do, and attend a party, and which was very much against her parents' wishes. Um, and about halfway through there, she gets hit by the mysterious mist that we now know to be the cause of the waves of inhumans that were coming, you know, that hit New York. Um, and she is actually an inhuman. And this, the mist uh, puts her in a dream sequence where she sees Captain Marvel and Captain America and Iron Man, as well as a peace sign throwing hedgehog. And uh, she, she just wakes up and she's surrounded in this mist and she is no longer herself, but actually Captain Marvel in her full straight out Miss Marvel attire. Um, and uh, of course, over the next few days, Kamala discovers that uh, not only is she able to turn into Captain Marvel, um, but she can also, she's more of a shapeshifter of sorts is what I would probably call her. Um, she can shift into different people, but she can also change her body in really awesome ways. And she can shrink and grow and elongate. There are many portions where she makes her fists really big so she can beat the crap out of, uh, you know, bad guys. And, um, you know, even Wolverine comes in and makes a sweet little cameo in her comic before, you know, they kill him off in the death of Wolverine a couple of issues later. Um, and she fangirls after him, and it's probably one of the most adorable things in comics that I've ever seen with... Uh, Pretty much her giant with Wolverine, her, her carrying Wolverine while they're walking through a sewer, a sewer beating up sewer alligators. It was kind of amazing. Which I think is my favorite part of her is that she takes up this, you know, mantle, this, you know, as Marvel says, with great responsibility comes great, you know, great power comes great responsibility. But she's still such a nerd at the end of it. Like, I remember that scene was where she's like freaking out and she's like basically shouting at Wolverine, I've written fan fiction about you. <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing how she's just kind of, I don't know, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> I, I, I'm a huge fan of Kamala because not only is she funny, but she's super strong. Her, her parents aren't always understanding of her, and she's like any teenage girl that's trying to fight the system and prove that she is who she is. And, you know, they try to force her into uh, taking, you know, being more religious and going to temple more often. It's, I, that's what, that's what's with uh, what it's called, right? It's Temple. Um, and, uh, she just, she doesn't really want to. She wants to be herself, and she wants to be more separate in her own being. And recently, some, there are very, some very anti-Islamic, uh, photos on, uh, some bus ads in San Francisco where some graffiti artists have gone and, uh, defaced them with some positive messages and images of Kamala as Miss Marvel as a big kind of, you know, F you to the system, because that's the way to do it. <laughs> oh, precisely. And, you know, interestingly enough, I actually was reading that Kamala is the first ever Muslim character to actually have her own solo-running comic book. And it's a good one. Oh, it is so great. Because, uh, you know, you've got, you've got your action, you've got your comedy, and again, I mean, you with, like what Katie just said with the San Francisco buses, you can see the the influence that this character that's been around for not even a full year already has already made. 
which is super amazing. And uh, I just, I think she stands for a lot of really good stuff too. She's just, I don't know. I, I, I'm just a big fan of something that breaks out of the mold of normal comics. Because uh, it's not just, even if she was, I mean, she's just a normal person who just happened to be of the Inhuman storyline, which I won't delve into too much If for those of you who already know or don't know. Um, it's pretty much as human, and humans were, uh, an alien race that had these special powers, and they came and they mixed with the human race, and these, uh, powers became dormant, and it wasn't until this mist comes across and, uh, is released that all of these inhumans are awakened, including Kamala, and so, and throughout her story, they, not only does she have her standalone comic, but it, they also, uh, bridge in the Inhuman storyline, which is growing in popularity right now, and, uh, it, it's a really nice little transition into, uh, to get her into being with the other comic book heroes in the Marvel Universe. Yes, and it actually has been announced that Kamala will be joining She-Hulk in the all-female Avengers book that comes out soon. Which, I'm so excited. Because <laughs> I know, I was afraid, I heard that they were originally going to cancel it with the new Secret Wars, but apparently, no, she will be joining everybody in the new one. Which is, I'm so excited. <laughs> Now, it wouldn't be fair for us to not mention the ladies that are not exactly in the mainstream comics. You know, DC Marvel are great, but I and as great as they've done with these characters, I think we definitely need to give homage to Image and Dark Horse and these other comic books that have actually... Most of their books this year have actually been female-centric characters. Especially Image. Image is on point right now. A absolutely. I mean, I'm one of those... I guess you can... Not real, I guess conservative. I was gonna say dirty hipster, but I guess technically that wouldn't make me one. You know, I'm really into my Marvel and DC, but again, with a lot of the characters you mentioned, you've actually started swaying me to read a lot more of these character characters and books that are not exactly normal. Right. I mean, I, I mean, comic books are amazing because it's they're 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 books with pictures, and as an adult with very little free time, uh, reading full length novels nowadays is really difficult. So being able to spend five minutes and flip through a comic book, it's a really nice story. And so of course there's going to be those people like myself that while I love superheroes and I love you know Marvel and DC, but I also want to read these as regular stories, you know, not just superheroes. And Image has really stepped up recently with their non superhero based comic books. Um, and one of my favorites to come out of Image recently has been the series called Rat Queens. And if you haven't read it, I demand that you find a trade paperback and go read it. Because <laughs> it's probably my favorite comic that's uh, ongoing right now. And note that that was a demand, not a suggestion. <laughs> yes. Um, because not only is it one of the rare comics that not only has badass women, but they aren't affiliated with any superheroes. Um, you know, it is... Uh, they, they're pretty much, it's in, in a medieval village, um, and they're mercenaries. And did I mention the serious ass that they kick? Um, so the Rat Queens consists of four ladies. There's Hannah, the rockabilly elven magic user. Violet, the ginger dwarf anti-princess, who, and her little origin story uh, issue that they did, apparently has a really wicked awesome beard that she chooses to shave to stick it to the man, because she is literally a dwarf princess that was like, you know what, screw you guys, you're treating me like crap, so I'm going to shave my beard, and I'm going to go be a mercenary on my own. Uh, if you can't tell, she's my favorite of the four. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's D, the atheist cleric, who is 
You find in later issues she is, uh, she has run away from her clan of, like, uh, of, they're kind of like shaman-esque, and, uh, they worship, uh, like a giant octopus-type water god, almost like a Cthulhu-type figure. Um, all hail Lord Cthulhu. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so she, she also has a really intricate storyline, because she's very quiet, but in one of the later issues, you know, her, a man shows up who's from her clan, and that's, you know, shit hit the fan. Um, and then the last, but, uh, definitely not the least, although the, she is the smallest of the four, uh, there's Betty. She's the lesbian hippie halfling. <laughs> she always seems to have pockets full of the really fun kind of mushrooms, and they're always drunk and yelling, and there's fights and nudity and so much vulgar. It's, it's, it's so fun. Um, they spend most of the time on their pages uh, kicking ass and taking names and also destroying their own town on accident on a few occasions. Um, I would definitely, definitely highly recommend this to anyone who likes strong women, hardcore blood and violence, and creative ways to use vulgar language. And lots and lots and lots of sex. Because <laughs> it. Like, issue two, front page, it's just boobies! But, uh, it's, it's a really great comic with really awesome characters and the, the, the just the language that the writers use is so funny. It, it just makes you really attached to them really quickly. They've unfortunately, uh, Rock Queens was been delayed a little bit. Um, they finally put out a new issue after like six months because they had some issues with their art guy. But now they're back and they put out a new issue a couple weeks ago, I believe, uh, with a new artist. And everything is the art on it is absolutely amazing. So I'm super super excited for the direction that this new artist is going to take it in. Plus it gives you an excuse to go back and reread everything to remember what happened. Exactly. That's my, one of my goals for the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Now, obviously, you know, there's many, many girls out there that we've forgotten. And, you know, we wanted to focus mainly on these like six characters, but there are some definitely some honorable mentions out there that I think we should definitely give some light to. Don't you agree, Katie? And since we're on the topic of our independent comics, why don't you start us off? Yeah, um, I have been really been searching for this uh, comic called Curb Stomp. Um, I haven't been able to get my hands on it yet, and I'm super bummed. But I feel like it deserves some mention here because I've done some review. I've, re- I've read some reviews on it, and the art looks amazing. And it pretty much looks like a like an '80s roller derby girl gang, and it looks full of you know vulgarity and violence and i'm super excited to get my hands on that one it's just they were some mess ups at my local comic book store unfortunately but um outside of that um there's also six sex criminals uh another gritty uh gross kind of story which is also phenomenal phenomenal the main character in this one uh discovers that at a very young age uh when she um I guess the PC term for it would be climaxes, (laughs) able to stop time. And so the comic is of her and her, you know, know, trying to live her life and trying to figure out what's going on with this and why can I do this? Why can I stop time? And then uh, later on in the first comic, so I'm not spoiling anything for you um, because it is still currently ongoing, um, she discovers a, uh, you know, during a one-night stand at a party Another man who also has the same power as her. So they put their heads together and decide to 
screw in the bathrooms of banks and rob banks because they obviously stopped time. Um, where, of course, bad things happen and, you know, there's a, a police of these time stopping when you climax <laughs> and they come in and try and wrangle everybody. But it's really amazing and it's super funny. Uh, it's definitely worth a pickup if you wanted uh, another really good comic to read. Um, Interestingly enough, there's actually a new another series out right now that's actually written by the man who wrote Sex Criminal's Wife called Bitch Planet. Which I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, but from what I understand from it, from, especially from what you and I have been told from by Nathan, it's basically this group of like hard ass women who are all these fell into criminals on this one planet, basically trying to escape and be on the run. And from what I've heard from sex criminals, I can only imagine how great it's going to be since, you know, this is the wife of the guy who wrote sex criminals. And I'm sure they're process osmosis together right? <laughs> yes and i believe if i'm not mistaken nathan also said that it's uh i believe it's uh, matt fraction is that right the uh the writer of those and he also writes the hawkeye comic that's running right now isn't that right uh let's see that da, 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 google hopefully you'll help us but why don't you look that up really quickly i'll talk about one more little comic that i would like to suggest to everybody um, it's called The Wicked and the Divine. It's also another image comic. Uh, I told you, they're on point right now. Um, pretty much in this comic, uh, the gods return every 75, I believe, years or so uh, to rule the earth. They take host of adolescent, you know, teenagers' bodies and um, have their full god powers. And they kind of become this phenomenon that the whole world worships. And... Uh, the main character in the story is a young girl who, um, I believe she's of mixed race, and, uh, she, she, I wouldn't say she's as much as a hero or anything like that, um, pretty much the way that these gods work is they inf make people infatuated by them, and she seems to be really infatuated with several of the different gods and, like, follows them around, and in, uh, in visiting with one of the characters, which they portray Lucifer as a female, which she's also a bisexual female, which you never hear about really in comics any, you know, at all. Um, and you hear, you know, it's such a great subversion of this historically male figure that I really suggest as a strong female comic sort of thing, uh, that this is a really good one to read. And, uh, it, it's just really kind of fascinating the way that it's, it's, it's obviously not a our it's supposed to be based in our world, but it could be like this alternate reality of ours where these gods are these adolescent uh pop stars almost. It's very interesting. Uh, I picked up the trade paperback and I would highly recommend it. And yes, you were correct, it actually is Matt Fraction who writes sex criminals. Gore. <laughs> Point one for Katie. <laughs> right? Fist bump. So now we're gonna discuss some some lovely ladies who it's not that they didn't make the list, but they don't. It's you know the one like we said the ones that we discussed are they have a much bigger impact on the world. Um, and since uh, starting off, we're gonna start with Josie Shuler, who's actually a 1960s housewife from the comic Lady Killer, and she's the perfect housewife. She always has dinner on the table when her husband gets home from work. She helps her daughters with their homework. Oh, and there's just one little thing: she's actually an assassin for hire. <laughs> Um, which is really interesting because, you know, in the 1960s, you know, women were just considered objects to their husbands. You know, 
They were supposed to vacuum in their heels and their pearls. They were supposed to have dinner on the table. They were not supposed to make a lot of noise. So here's this woman who not only gives a big middle finger to the expectations of women from the male perspective, but has no problem taking a kitchen knife to anybody, basically. It's a pretty amazing comic. I've read the first issue myself. I haven't had a chance to sit down and read the second one, but it's bloody and gory and very retro chic. I like it. <laughs> I mean, the cover is her covered in blood in her kitchen trying to get up her latest mess. Uh, next up, we have one of my favorite X-Men, and I feel, and I, you know, I'm kind of upset that she gets, uh, she gets missed a lot, but Miss Jubilation Lee, also known as Jubilee, who I'm very excited to say she's going to be in the next X-Men movie, Age of Apocalypse, and not with a quick little cameo, so pardon me why I fanboy real quickly. No, I'm so excited. I love, Jubilee was my favorite character back in the old cartoon. Uh, she's been an X-Men member since 1989. She's one of the more recent characters on this list that, you know, from mainstream, because, you know, Image, is all their stuff is out right now, and again, on point. <laughs> But she's, again, one of those Tumblr kids before there was Tumblr, and she's which they were called mall rats back then. But she's a mutant who basically has the ability to shoot pyrotechnics or fireworks from her hands. And she actually lost her powers uh, due to the events of M-Day, which is when Scarlet Witch tried to rid the world of the mutant gene, and 91.4% of the mutant population lost their powers. Um, but that didn't stop her from being a hero. She actually came into contact with a power suit that allowed her to continue fighting crime under the guise of Wanda. And interestingly enough, in most recent, not most recent, but in one of the recent comics, she actually gets infected with a vampire virus and basically becomes everything that Buffy Summers hates. <laughs> we also, there's also, of course, uh, you can't leave out Kitty Pride, another well-known but underrated X-Men team member since 1980 to boot. And uh, with her recent portrayal in the X-Men movies, uh, played by the actress Ellen Page, Kitty Pride has had a recent surge in popularity. Uh, she's known for her phasing ability that lets her go through any object. And, uh, and to some older fans, she was also known as Shadowcat, though she usually just goes by Kitty Pride. Um, she was originally introduced as a little sister type of character, um, but now Kitty has grown older with the comics and uh, more into herself. And in the Marvel Now series currently running, the new X-Men, which was started in 2013, uh, she runs uh, Xavier School with Storm, and the storyline features that previously that mentioned uh, that Taylor was just speaking about, uh, Jubilee. Uh, they're the three headline main characters in that series. Um, and she's also one of the major Jewish characters in the Marvel Universe, which there are not many of. <laughs> it, which is interesting, considering that Marvel Comics was actually started by a group of Jewish men. You never know, man. <laughs> Precisely. Our next one is another X-Men. X-Men is another one of those series that tends to get it right with their, their ladies, but... My favorite Marvel character of all time, and honestly, I don't think there's ever a person on the planet that doesn't like her, um... I, I, I think Katie and I give you full permission to slap anybody who disagrees with us. <laughs> but Miss Aurora Monroe, also known as Storm. Um, she's actually one of the first ever African-American superheroes. You know, T'Challa being the first one, also known as Black Panther. But she's also the first ever African-American female superhero. Um, she debuted in 1975, which, you know, during that time, to be not only a female superhero, but an African-American super female superhero is like... Good lord, call, call the cops. The world's coming to an end. <laughs> but 
she has the mutant ability to control all forms of weather. And not even just like on our planet. There have been storylines where she'll, she can actually control it on other alien planets, which most people's powers don't even work when they go to another planet. So she's just boss number one. Basically, she's actually considered to be one of the most powerful beings in the entire Marvel Universe and is actually regarded by many as the strongest mutant alive. And Magneto himself actually says this at one point, which tells you something considering Magneto basically knows everything. And he's kind of a big, uh, what is it, uh, oh, an asshole, uh, <laughs> who's really into himself and, you know. So if Magneto says, hey, you're powerful, you know he means it. That That's like the ultimate, like, Girl Scout patch right there. Like, that's when you, like, they basically say, yeah, you're too good, please leave. Right? It's like, ah, you know what? Well, yeah, about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Storm has been an X-Men. She's been an Avenger. She was, her and T'Challa were former leaders of the Fantastic Four for a short period of time. She's the leader of the Morlocks, which are mutants that can't really blend in because their mutations, you know, have changed how they look. And the Queen of Wakanda. So as Katie says, she boss. <laughs> she has recently taken over the Jean, Jean Grey School of Higher Learning, and she leads the all-female team that Katie mentioned with um, Katie Pride and Jubilee. And interestingly enough, she actually got her own solo book this year, which was not only great, but she got to sport her 1980s rocker mohawk again, which I personally love. Oh, me too. Any if any anyone who portrays Storm as not having that mohawk is dead to me, because <laughs> that's the only way that I will ever see her ever. Pretty much. And our final group, which is actually going to break all the rules that we set before, but. <laughs> Katie and I discussed it, and you know we we have to mention them, um, especially because I, I just finished the you know the series for like the twentieth time yesterday. But the Scooby Gang, and you know, Katie, I'll let you take this over because I have a feeling with our, our some of our newer viewers, they probably don't even know what the Scooby Gang is. So, so technically, they aren't exactly comic book made, but they have spent almost as long in comics as they did out of them. Um, of course, the Scooby Gang is referring to the wondrous adventures of Buffy, Xander, Willow, Dawn, and Giles from the fantabulous TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, written by Joss Whedon. And it's pretty much uh, after the series ends on season seven with the um, the Hellmouth in Sunnydale being swallowed down into the earth, and it's pretty much just Buffy, Xander, Willow, Donna, Giles, you know, everybody else is dead <laughs> at this point. Um, and all the recently activated Slayers, uh, who, without delving too much into the TV show, I don't want to, you know, what have you, um, but pretty much the comics are the aftermath of the Buffy stopping the world from ending. And, uh, you know, it focuses on different characters and different points. Uh, it's already started, I believe it's 10th season, I believe is what it is up to now. So, um, it's been three seasons and, let's see, how long has that been? About, what, 10, 15 years in comic book form? Give or take, because uh, they did have comic books out when the show itself was out. Yeah, because not only were, were are there the, you know hand-drawn comics, but there were also comics that were based off the TV show the whole time of its running. <laughs> Which, I mean, I, Buffy definitely, I think, needs to go down because, I mean, she's been around since that really awful and campy, which 
movie, which I absolutely love. Oh, me too. (laughs) Um, And she's continued to this day. And this book is great because, you know, it's not just Buffy that you focus on, but you get, you know, you get the adventures of Xander and Dawn and you get to see Dawn turn into every creature imaginable on the planet. She's a centaur. She's a giant. She's isn't she invisible for a little while? Um, <laughs> if it could, if it's bad and it can happen to someone, it's probably happened to Don. I don't think it could be said better way. <laughs> um, and then you know it follows. You know, I think one of our favorites. You know, Willow. Oh, yes. And and uh, you know her constant struggle of you know trying not to turn back dark because you know it is revealed in the series that she's basically the most powerful person to exist. There's a really great, uh, from the Buffy series comics, they did they did several little spinoff series, and Willow has her own designated, I think five or six issue um, sub-series from the Buffy comics that have beautiful cover art, and they're really, fa- it's a really fascinating read. Uh, but both, uh, I know Willow and Spike have their own breakout sub-series comics. Yes, and the great thing about this series is it paved the way for a lot of other TV shows that have ended to could actually continue through comics. Angel continued after Charmed. Charm did, Smallville did, you know, Fly. Firefly. Yeah, there's a lot of TV shows out there that <laughs> yes, that they've technically ended, but because of what you know, the Scooby Gang in the Buffy comics did, they were able to actually continue their story through the comics versus, you know, this comic book that's just a completely different story. This is actually picks up where the show left off. Almost exactly. Pretty much. Depending on which one you're reading, it's usually like, so five minutes later, you know, my entire city just got swallowed. <laughs> so, again, moral of the story is women kick ass. And... This year especially has basically been the year of... Lady Comics. Lady Comics. You know, let's let's give credit where credit's due. You know, we had our first ever Muslim character pick up, get her own comic. We had... Um, I mean, Image... I mean, we've said it a hundred times. Image, somebody needs to go down to th- their house and be like, so yeah, you're great. Here's a round of applause your hand thank you <laughs> um and you know we're seeing a lot of these characters that are normally kind of under the radar start to come up you know whether it's in comics or it's in movies and stuff like that so katie and i both definitely recommend and on one occasion demand <laughs> that you hit your local comic shop and pick up some of these books and it actually uh may 2nd is free comic book day so that'd definitely be a great time that when you're up there picking up you know your Doctor Who comic and whatnot, to kind of, you know, ask the person there, hey, do you have any comics featuring, you know, these characters? Because I know a lot of them, like, I know Miss Marvel and Storm and stuff like that, there are solo books that are out there. They've already got trade paperbacks out for some of the issues. So it's definitely, and I definitely recommend She-Hulk. And not just for the character and the story, but the, the artwork is absolutely amazing. Yes, most certainly. But, I mean... We can, I, we can go on for hours, but unfortunately, Katie and I have to have lives and have to get back to them. I know. Ugh, cleaning. <laughs> Ugh, yes. Being an adult. Boo. I don't want an adult. Don't make me. <laughs> but I want to go ahead and say thank you, Katie, for joining us today. Oh, well, thank you. It was my first podcast, so, you know, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> and I can definitely say it probably won't be the last time we have you on here. And also, thank you for, you know, the wonderful artwork that you made. 
appreciate it. And if you like the artwork that Katie made, be sure to hit up her Etsy shop, which is going to be Art by Katie G. So Etsy.com slash shop slash Art by Katie G. And she's got some pretty boss stuff up on there. Yeah, and I've got my website too. It's just uh, katiegidry.com. Super easy. So thank, thank you guys for joining us. And hopefully this will spark a whole bunch of discussion with y'all. So hit us up on Facebook and whatnot. So yeah, that's all I got. We look forward to hearing your comments, man. All right. Goodbye, everybody.